0: So uh, the Clifford Despicable Me 2 grew, the, 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 the hero of Despicable Me 2, uh, grew, just knew that the, that the owner of that Mexican restaurant uh, was El Macho, a villain, a villain of years past who strapped himself to a, to a, a, a rocket and tied himself to a, to a shark and, and strapped dynamite to him and sent himself into a volcano. Gru just knew that that was El Macho, and he had faked his death, but he needed to prove that, and they were looking for a serum, the serum that made the bunny go rabid last week, and if you haven't seen Despicable Me too, you know, you just got to go see it, and if you stick with us throughout the series, we're going to spoil it if you don't see it, so you may want to just go ahead and see it, but... Where was I? Oh, serum. He just knew that the serum he had, he had, and he stole the serum. And so when he looked into the safe, he knew it was the serum. But it was the secret salsa. And every time, every superhero epic, there is a point in the epic that the superhero dies. Now it be, might be like Superman, and he actually literally dies. Or, more than likely, it's a metaphor that he dies, or the mission dies, or the calling dies. There comes a point in time in the story that you think that there is absolutely no hope of the mission being accomplished at some point in time in the story that happens. Where we're left going, there's no hope. But... We know it's only 45 minutes into the movie, so we know that the movie isn't done yet, right? And we're in a series called Superhero, where we're taking a look at the fact that God, his character is that he is redeemer, that he does save, but he creates superheroes with flesh on in order to save people. And we're looking at the story of Moses and how he made Moses into a superhero and how we, that he wants to make us into a superhero as well. We started with the making of a superhero, where we looked at all the ingredients that it takes to, to, to go into a superhero. But with just ingredients, and you mix all the ingredients together, when you just mix a bunch of ingredients together, what do you get? Batter. You don't have a cake. In order to have a cake, what do you have to have? You have to have heat. You have to have a catalyst. And the catalyst of a superhero is the call. And we looked at that last week. You can go, you can go back and, 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 and catch these all in our podcast. And, and I'm still wearing this mic, not because it's my security blanket, but because that is how we are recording into the podcast. Even though you can't hear it, you'll be able to hear it through the modern technology that we have now. But... We looked back last week at the, at the call of the superhero. And we're going to look this week at the time at where it looked like Moses was dead. That the call had died. That the mission had died. And that there was no hope of the mission actually being accomplished. Because where we left Moses off last week at the end of chapter four, he had gone to his people and said, God showed up to me and he's going to rescue you. And all the people went crazy. They went wild. They're like, yeah, we're going to party tonight. I said they worshipped. I think it's more like, like like rock worship or jock rock worship. You know, all night long. It's boom, ticka, boom, boom. They're like, ah, God, Yeah. And they were just just worshiping God. They were excited about what God was going to do. And they were were pumped up. But then we turn the page to chapter 5. And Moses goes to Pharaoh. And we see him showing up at Pharaoh. And he was probably pretty confident about what was going to happen. Because, hey, God said that, that they were going to get to go. And he walks into Pharaoh and he said, hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. I met with God. God showed up. And he, he said for you to let his people go. And Pharaoh said, hey, I'm God. Who is this God you're talking about? I don't care about that God. No. In fact, I just think you want a vacation from your work. Moses, you can't have three days in Destin. Moses. Moses. Aaron, in fact, why are you in here talking to me right now? Go back to work. And Moses was probably like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I wasn't even working to begin with. I was out in the desert and I just showed up here. and I, I'm not a slave. And he sent, Pharaoh sent Moses and Aaron out and said, go work. And he looked at his form and Pharaoh looked at his Egyptian foreman and said, hey, we're going to work that lazy <clears throat> right out of them. Maybe some of you have had that boss, right? I want to work the lazy right out of them. They're going to have to keep making the same amount of bricks, but we're not going to provide them with straw. And that mandate went down, and, and, and the Egyptian uh, uh, foremen, the, the, the slave drivers were even tougher on them and beat them. And when the Israelite foremen uh, had enough, they went to Pharaoh and said, what are you doing We've always worked hard for you. Why are you doing this to us now? What you're asking us is impossible. And Pharaoh just says, you're lazy. Get back to work. And they leave Pharaoh's presence. And Moses did everything that God told him to do. Things got worse. Things got way worse, and it looked like the call was dead. It looked like the mission was dead. It looked like they weren't getting out of Egypt. And maybe some of you have been there. Maybe some of you are there now. We've been there. Some of you have uh, know the the background of our story, but but uh, in 2008 we moved to Central New York, Syracuse, New York region, to to a town called Baldwinsville, much like Republic, just just a a, 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 a a growing suburb outside of uh, Syracuse. And we went there. Uh, we believe we followed God there. We believe we heard God. We believe that uh, we were doing what God wanted. And we went there to plant a church that failed. That failed. Now, we weren't perfect. But we didn't do anything to, that caused the church plant to fail. I mean, I kept my pants on I mean, when I was supposed to. It, anyway, I kept my hand out of the cookie jar. We felt like we did what God wanted us to do, but it failed. And then for a year and a half afterwards, we, we, we kind of bounced around doing what we thought that God wanted us to do, but, but things just seemed to keep getting worse. And some of you, a long time ago, maybe, maybe experienced a call, maybe experienced a, a, a deep, down, passion, drive for something. But something happened along the way. You say, you know, it's dead now. It's dead. For whatever reason, it's dead. So how do you get through death of a call. How do you get to it? The first thing we need to know is actually just something that we need to know. We need to file it in our head so that when it comes, if it's now or if it's later, when it comes, we can remember this and it'll help us get through. I mean, Exodus chapter five, we're gonna start there. We're gonna be five and six and you can follow along on the screen or a smartphone or a tablet or something. Or, you know, uh, old-fashioned, you know, Bible. Exodus chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 21. And the foreman of Israel walked out of that meeting with, with Moses. And Moses and, or Pharaoh, I'm sorry. And Moses and Aaron were waiting for them, hoping for good news. And as the Israelite foreman walked out, They said to them, May the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You've put a sword into their hands, an excuse to kill us. How I picture it is that they just, they were walking, and Moses and Aaron were standing there, and they said this, and they just kept walking. May God judge you. You know what they were saying? Go to... You made things worse for us. We didn't ask you to come here. I mean, last chapter. Now. First thing we need to know is that we'll get fired. Maybe not literally, but maybe figuratively or metaphorically, of people reject us, people cast us aside and, and 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 discount the mission. But something will happen to where we get fired. The people of Israel fired Moses and Aaron. They're like, go away. Ever since you've come, nothing's gotten better. Go away. We've had that same thing happen to us. I mean, we were in a church uh, one time and and, uh, some people looked at me and said, I I can't believe that God would call you with the personality traits that you have. Now, I've told this before. I mean, I'm kind of like hugging a porcupine uh, and uh, I have difficulty. Like, if you want teddy, teddy bear, huggable pastor, I'm not really that. And that's what they were expecting and then in Baldwinsville, uh, denominational leaders, after a year of of, of working, they said, "We haven't seen enough progress. We're out. We're out. The money you're counting on, it's gone. We're out." Maybe you felt the same exact rejection from the people that were supposed to be behind you on your mission. Just know. At some point in time, you'll get fired. This is something as a part of all church planting uh, uh, training that you go through. They go, no, something will happen. Something will happen. And it's not just church planting. It's life. So what do we do? What do we do? Because this is the point in time where people give up, right? This is the point in time where people say, out, I'm out, check out, I'm done. I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. God, if you, if you had told me this, I wouldn't even gone. <laughs> and God's like, I know. That's why I didn't tell you. This is why we have dropout in church, because we have became, become a conversion addict instead of a discipleship addict. Where we get people to pray a prayer and get baptized and go, another notch in my belt. And then we let people go. And people show up. And they look around. And everybody's got a pretty little bow on top. And you go home and you go, I'm screwed up. I'm messed up. Everybody else seems to have a pretty little bow on top. But lo and behold, the pretty little bow, the pretty little box is holding a box full of demons. Unless we're honest enough to open up the box full of demons, we'll never get rid of the demons. We'll never get rid of the issues. We'll never be able to have true rescue and that's what discipleship does it says let's be honest let's get it out let's ask the questions let's do what we need to do to bring freedom this is what moses did when moses then moses went back to the lord and protested Why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people, and you have done nothing to rescue them. Common buzzword today is authentic or real. Be real. Be real. Moses was real with God, right? Why did you even send me? You haven't done anything to rescue them. Which which Moses is saying, you promised rescue and you haven't done what you promised God. Ask God anything. Maybe you're used to people saying, don't question God questioning God is a lack of faith. The only thing wrong with that is the Bible. If you actually read the Bible, and read the stories of the Bible, and read the characters in the Bible, every single one of them had hard questions for God. Hard questions. In fact, it's in the questions that we grow. It's in the struggle that we grow. It's in it's in it's in coming to God and coming to God's people with the questions that you have that's burning in your soul that you want to know that we can actually grow. Taylor told me this week about some people that he's he's discipling about the questions that they had about the Bible. Some students That's why I like student ministry. Students are willing to ask questions. Adults are like, I've got everything figured out or I'm supposed to, so I'm not going to ask any questions. But you know why students grow? Because they ask questions. Because they ask questions. They're willing to ask the tough questions about what's going on in life. In the 18 months that we bounced around, I asked questions, especially about uh, somewhere around October, November, December of 2011. I was just like, you know what, God? The more I pray, the less happens. I got tired of people saying in podcasts or sermons or books or whatever, oh, just pray. God will do something. I'm like, forget you. God has done jack squat. And we're not praying for Lamborghinis. We're praying for churches to be planted and people to be saved and God to do something. I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I don't know if this prayer thing is worth it. And if the prayer thing isn't worth it, then is God even worth it? I hope you've asked the same question. I hope you have. Because there's no way for us to grow unless we've asked tough questions. If church is just showing up to church and doing this, there's no need for questions. No need for questions. We can do this. But if there's something more behind it, there's something that we can't handle. And there's questions that we need answered. And when we ask a question, what do we got to do? When to flip the page to Exodus 6, this is kind of a bad chapter break because we stop reading at the end of chapters and we're like, man, Moses, a little rough on God, weren't you? Well, 6-1 is the continuation of this story, where God answers Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. As El Shaddai, God Almighty, but I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel, and who are now slaves to the Egyptians. And I am well aware of my covenant with them. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt." I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will reclaim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you uh, <clears throat> I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. When we ask tough questions, we better put our big boy pants on and get ready for the answer. When we ask questions, don't leave the room. Stick around to hear God. Stick around to hear God. He's got something to say. And we need to hear it. Five things in particular that he wants us to hear. First of all, he wants to do something we can't do. He starts off with telling Moses, hey, look, 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 Moses, Moses, Moses. You're right where I want you. Pharaoh is right where I want him. The people of Israel are right where I want them. Everybody is in the right spot to get to see me do something that only I can do. We need to know, we need to know that what is best for God is best for us. And in order to find what's best for God, he has got to be able to do what only he can do. And that means we've got to go through a death in order to get there. He wants to do what only He can do. He doesn't want us to just show up at church and do our little thing on Sunday and then leave and go home. He wants to work in your life in power in order to show who He is to people who don't know. He wants to do something you can't do. And we should be excited about that because little old me shouldn't be able to be able to see what God can do. He wants to do what only He can do. Another thing he wants us to hear is that he wants to do something old and new. He told Moses, look, 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 look. I showed, I showed myself to your forefathers as El Shaddai. Some of you have visions of Amy Grant running through your head now. El Shaddai. Some of you are like, huh? God Almighty. God Almighty. That's only a sliver of who I am. I told you who my who what my name is. My name is Yahweh, which means I am, which means whatever you need, I am with you. El Shaddai, I am Almighty, is a sliver of that, but just a itty bitty little sliver of that. I'm so much more than that. I want to do something old. I want to do something that I've been talking about for a long time, but I'm going to do it in a new way. I'm going to do it through a new name, and I'm going to do it through you in a new way with a new name to show people who I am. And he's not done with that yet. He wants to do an old thing. He wants to save people. He wants to redeem people. He wants to bring people out of slavery, but he wants to do it in a new way. We are in an innovation business. We don't innovate the message, but we innovate how the message gets across. He wants to do an old thing in a new way, and he wants to use you and your creativity and your gifts and your passions to do it. He wants to do an old thing in a new way. Another thing he wants you to hear is that he will keep his promises. It may not look like it right now, but he will keep his promise. So if we stick to it, if we white knuckle it and we stick with him and we lean in with him and we ask him questions and we hear him, he will keep his promises. He told Moses, I will bring them into the land. I have heard them. I will rescue them. I will give them the land that they were foreigners in, but they will now be possessors of that land. I will keep my promises. He will keep his for the rest of us as well. Another thing he wants us to hear is that he will be present. He told them, they will be my people. I will be, my, I will be their God. They will be my people. I will be their God. I will love them and hold them and caress them. And uh, I'm sorry, that's not creepy God, all right? That's, but, That statement you will see throughout the entire scriptures. And that is a statement of presence. I will be with them. I will be with my people. Emmanuel was not just Jesus. Emmanuel is God. He will be with us. Another thing that he wants us to hear. That he will bless. He will give us success. He will give us prosperity. Some of you just got nervous because of the prosperity word. Don't be nervous about that. We're <clears throat> by by denomination. We're Southern Baptist Church. Southern Baptists are are notorious at overreacting at stuff. Go figure. So then we have no identity because we overreact to Pentecostalism and we overact, overreact to Catholicism, which leaves us nowhere. And we overreact to the prosperity gospel basically by saying, God doesn't want us to be prosperous, despite the Bible saying that he wants us to be prosperous. See, we narrow prosperity down to one evaluation. Money, 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 money! Right? I don't know how God wants to make us prosperous and successful, but he does. Prove it to me. All right, let's go to Jesus. John 15. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. And God will produce fruit through your life. Fruit, another word for blessing. Another word for success. Another word for prosperity. Fruit. But in order to get fruit, what does Jesus say must happen? Pruning. This is Moses' pruning story. We have to go through pruning. And to a branch, pruning and being cut off feel like the same thing. So how do we know the difference? We keep leaning in to God and hearing what he has to say. And we'll grow back and we'll start to bud and there will be more fruit than ever before. I think 2013 was a pruning time for Crosspoint, where, we, where, where as we were listening and we were hearing, God kind of made us lay low in order to stabilize as a people. A little bit of pruning. Are you going to really hear me? See, this is the hard part about our culture. What happened a couple of weeks ago on a Monday, right after the NFL season? A lot of pruning occurred, Right? Six or seven head coaches lost their jobs. You didn't have success, so you're gone. See, God's measurement of success is, do you hear me? I will produce the fruit. Trust me to produce the fruit. I believe 2014 is about growth personal growth, hearing and following God. And out of that, out of a group of people hearing and following God, we see more and more and more people wanting to hear and follow God who had never had before or who hasn't in a long time. But we've got to hear God and we've got to trust Him through the ups and through the downs, through the times of abundance and through the times of pruning. We have to hear God. During our difficult times, that 18 months, he gave us pieces to hear. When I got to the, to the point where I was like, I don't f- forget all of this. Why did you even call me God? Can I just have a normal job, please? He gave me Hebrews 5 that talked about the suffering and the, resurrect- the death and the resurrection that Christ had to go through. And he applied that to my life and the call. Not that I'm the Savior, not that I go through the same thing, but we all have to die to find resurrection. And then about that time, we went to a conference, at a church that we went to four months in Texas, and and this guy that I met for two days uh, 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 during a prayer time said a prophecy about our life. And like, oh, this is weird. You're talking about Pentecostal. This is like getting there. It's just talking about what God wants to do with your life. But I didn't know this guy. I mean, I met him for like two days. This is what he said. In your youth, I have taught you. I'm calling you to this day to declare my marvelous deeds. You will declare my power to the next generation, my mighty acts to all who are to come. You must do it together. Speaking of uh, my wife and I, you cannot do it alone. And he said that during a prayer time. And and after that was done, uh, Nicole and I, after we got to the house where we were staying at, I was like, man, I wish I I had that written down. The next day, a guy came up to me and said, when we got to our hotel or to our house or whatever, he said, "I, I felt like I needed to write down what I said. Here it is. I keep it in my Bible still to remind me that God was still speaking. That God was still speaking that I still needed to hear. God wants to give you something to hang your hat on. To say, I need to hear. He will still act. I need to simply hear. He will speak to us if we stay in the room with our tough questions. But hearing isn't enough. Exodus 6, 9. So Moses told the people. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, that they refused to listen anymore. They've become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Then the Lord said to Moses, go back to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and tell him to let the people go Uh, Let the people of Israel leave his country. But Lord, Moses objected. My own people won't listen to me anymore. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen? I am such a clumsy speaker. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them orders for the Israelites and for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to lead the people people of Israel out of Egypt. God said, go speak to the people of Israel. Moses did. But the people of Israel, they were too discouraged. They're like, leave us alone, please. And God said, Hey, Moses, go speak to go speak to Pharaoh. And Moses, was like, hey, my people won't even listen to me. Why do I think the leader of the the, the the most powerful country in the world would listen to me? Why do I think that? He's not going to listen to me. I'm not that good at speaking anyway. But Those of you that know the rest of the story know that Moses followed God anyway. We can't just hear, we have to follow. We have to follow. We have to follow. God does his work when we hear and we follow. And God spoke. The the only idea I had at that time, I didn't have any outlet. The only idea I had at at the time was to record myself teaching and blog. That's it. That's it. This is November of 2011. That's it. It's crazy. That, that That was it. God spoke, and by His grace, I followed. I did it. I I just start doing it. Two months later, I came across the posting of Crosspoint. The next month, we came and we started teaching. The next month, you voted for us to come. And then four months of that low point, we ended up here. Now, you could say this is still a low point. Eh, That's that's another issue, another sermon, another deal. But do I know what would have happened if I would have not listened and followed? I know. History is history, and it is what it is. But here's what I do know We heard and we followed in the time that the call looked dead, when we didn't think God was working. And he worked it out. He did what he needed to do to put us in the spot where we needed to be. Now, it wasn't because of the blog that you guys called us. It had nothing to do with each other, as far as physically. But we never know what our hearing and following will allow God to do behind the scenes. Fellas, I'm going to appeal to your ego a little bit. When the call is dead, are we going to give up? Or are we going to keep going? we going to put our big boy pants on and keep going? Or are we going to give up? When it all looks dead, and there's no hope, are going to keep going? Because God wants to use every one of us to rescue people. See, this progression will occur time and time again as we try to speak of God. People will reject us. The people that we feel like God wants us to go to and talk to, they'll, they'll reject us. Take seven to 12 times of inviting people to church or talking to them about Christ in order for them to to accept it, if they're going to. What if we're number one or number two? We'll have to just keep hearing from God how he wants us to engage their life and keep following him because we never know that idea that comes to our mind and how we're supposed to engage that person. We never know when that will be the one, when that will be the idea that will spur something to lead them to salvation and rescue and freedom from their sins. We just never know when it will be the one. That's why the pray for three cards are so important. Put names on there. Pray for them. I was able to ask one of my three this week, how can I pray for you? I wasn't able to get and see the other two. But have you asked that question? Do so you pray for three? Have you asked that question? Open the door. What I've been praying for every night as my family and I uh, sit down to pray, what I've been praying for, what I've been asking God to do is to show these three people in my life and your life signs that He is real, that He is present, that He wants them. Something will happen in their life to click. Then what's next? We talk to them about their God story. Hey, I, no, you don't go to church. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. This isn't a bad. This isn't a condemnation question. I'm. Just, I'm really curious. What happened? Why not? What happened? And let them talk about their God story. Connect with them. And let them talk about what occurred or what didn't occur. If they believe or don't believe or where they felt like God let them down and the call died. Pray for them. Ask them how they need you to pray for them. Get to know their God story because God wants to use you and me to be a superhero with flesh on a superhero with flesh on to the people around us and for that reason I believe God wants our call to die he doesn't want it to be our call He wants it to be him working through our life. And in order for that to happen, we must die, and he must resurrect us. He must give us new life. He must make us strong. He must do this. When you read the story of Moses, up until this time, he's a little reluctant. But from here on out, we see a different Moses. We see him resurrected a whole lot stronger. In fact, later on in the story, God's like, I'm going to kill him. 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 Moses like, like, yeah, uh, God, you don't really want to do that. Moses is talking God out of doing something. God wants us to die so that we can resurrect stronger so that we can resurrect to true life so in that time we're going to give up or are we going to keep going what's at stake the people's salvation that he wants us to be superheroes with flesh on that's what's at stake I'm gonna get into a time of reflection, a time of prayer. And in order for us to grow, we've gotta be honest, we've gotta have questions, we've gotta we gotta we gotta struggle with stuff. And um go ahead, bow your heads, close your eyes, all that all that deal. I want this to be a safe people, safe people. And we're gonna transition into doing this every, every week. Some of you were here last week, some of you weren't, and We want to be a safe people in order to do this, but we want to know, in order to pray for you and be able to engage with you and and be able to let you be honest amongst us, how many of you are really struggling with you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm dead now. I'm wondering why God called me. I'm wondering why God had even saved me. I wondered, I'm wondering if, if it's even worth being saved. I'm wondering if it's worth even following God and praying and all this, that, that like I was a couple of years ago. If you want to just raise your hand and say, please pray for me, I want to work through this. Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. I pray that you will move in people's hearts. Resurrect people from the dead today. I pray, Lord, that you strengthen people today. I pray, Lord, that you move people in the mission today. So that we can see you work and see you do something that only you can do. Thank you, and we love you, and we pray. Amen. You're going to stand with us. Shelly and I will be in the back of the room. If you need to talk with us, if you need to ask the questions that are burning on you, come back there, and we'll pray for you. We'll talk with you um, about that. Otherwise, either wrestle with God here, commit to follow, or just worship Him for raising you to new life.